Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Um, <laughs> Jesus, The Athletic. <laughs> oh, please keep that in, Jay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, yeah, we asked for goals. We got goals, didn't we? Uh, five we scored past a pretty abject Crystal Palace. Uh, three from open play, by the way. To reflect on a game, I'm joined by Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Uh, one of the things that we were asked to do on Saturday was bring scarves along. Did you bring scarves, either of you, on Saturday? No, well, it was Adrian? cold enough. I mean, it wasn't yeah. that difficult of an ask. <laughs> no, that's true. I don't know. You didn't ask for a scarf. You oh, just realised. Don't own one. Got I'm sure bubble, you huh? could wangle <laughs> one from somewhere. <laughs> we could probably find a scarf for you, Adrian. Anyway, the point was we had to bring scarves, not to swing above our heads, just to wear. But also there was an advert pre-match that read, get ready for match day with an official Arsenal washable rug. Oh, that's what I do every match day. I mean, always with my rug. <laughs> Wash it, and then when it's done, I'm ready to go. What are the weirdest, most random bits of Arsenal memorabilia we all own? Adrian, you haven't got any scarves, but you've probably got a few other bits and pieces, haven't you? <laughs> I've probably got some quite cool bits of memorabilia. Yeah, like oh, little, sure little you gifts you, you get these sort of do's that you know when you're a player and stuff. The most random is 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 the I was there when John Jensen scored t-shirt that I bought myself from a market, you know, one of those market sort of trader stalls outside the old Highbury because I was there. That was my debut. I came on for a few minutes in that game and I thought I'm going to get one of those. And I got JJ to sign it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> it's somewhere in the loft. I don't know. It still exists. Do you know what? I I mean, Amy, I'm sure you've got something, but I think that wins, doesn't it, really? I mean, whatever, whatever we come up with, I'm not sure we could do any better than that. Uh, what have you got, Amy? Uh, weird random bits of Arsenal memorabilia. I've got some rock from the old North Bank and Ooh. some from the clock end. Rock? Yeah, a bit of Concrete. turnstile. A bit, I'm sorry, a bit oh, of, um, right. bit of uh, uh, what do you terrace. call it? Terrace. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, I can't find words this morning. That's a good sign. How did you get a hold of one of them? I just wandered in when they were smashing it up. Just took some rock. I got a bit of the Berlin Wall, by the way. You got a bit of the Berlin Wall. Did you also just wander in when they were smashing it up, Adrian? <laughs> we played Germany. Uh, England. I played for England schoolboys. We played Germany in Berlin, and uh, they were flogging it everywhere <laughs> across the city. <laughs> Whether it was really bits of the Berlin Wall, I don't know. But I, I was going to say, something. this sounds a little bit like relics, religious relics <laughs> that they used to sell to people in the 14th century. But yeah, no, that's nice. I've got. I've got something quite obscure. I don't even know if I've still got it, but I remember buying it because it was so strange. But in uh, 1990, uh, I was one of the fortunate few that numbered about 30 oddballs who went to the pre-season tour of Scandinavia. 
And we played a team called, and forgive the pronunciation, any Scandi friends out there, Vostra Frelunda, which is a suburb of Gothenburg, small place. And they were selling Vostra Frelunda shower gel and shampoo, <laughs> out, uh, uh, you know, to commemorate the game. So I bought some <laughs> of that. I think it might have even <laughs> said Vostra Frelunda v Arsenal on it. But yeah, that yeah, was up Swedish there. With, clean. With the, yeah, 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 exactly. We, we, we felt pristine after that. <laughs> <laughs> How very nice. I mean, I haven't got, I don't really have an Arsenal memory. I've got signed photos of Pat Jennings <laughs> for those old school fans uh, who are listening, but I don't really have, uh, I don't really keep any bits and pieces, uh, to be honest with you. Amy, you look so appalled by that. I just, I never, I'm not, I'm not a hoarder. <laughs> I don't understand so. you then. I know, <laughs> I get that. Well, there's a lot of things. I mean, I've got, I've got match programs going back years. I mean, they're just in the garage. I'm probably never going to look at them. It's just, I don't want to let them go. Just you know what? Worry. It's all very well. Can I just say, but who hugged Gunnosaurus on Saturday? Either of you two? No. What's that got to do with hoarding? <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. When you're nothing. in the player entrance area. I was in the player you? entrance. Charlie George gave me a wave and I got a hug from Gunnosaurus. How did, you, really... how did you wank all your way to the... To the... Okay, I know people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was doing something for, T- for TV, for TNT on Saturday morning. So I thought there had uh, to be a reason they'd let people like you in an area like that. <laughs> yeah, quite. And I was just going to say on the scarves thing, I actually think it was really nice and credit is very much due to Ashburton Army, who haven't had the easiest of seasons in their ambition to help Arsenal's atmosphere along, in that their numbers were halved by the club for this season. So it's it's a contributory factor to a, a kind of pervasive feeling that the atmosphere is not as exuberant as it was last year, which I think we would all agree on. It was certainly fairly flat, although, you know, early kickoff and all that against Palace. And, um, you know, they are still trying, difficult as it might be, to make a difference. And, you know, it, the Palace fans actually took the mick out of this idea. You know, they'd obviously seen... Ashburton Army put out uh, some social media stuff saying bring a scarf and all that. And the idea was, I think, for everybody to hold their scarves up, the red and white bar scarves. It makes quite a nice visual impression with North London forever. And, you know, these things have to start somewhere. And even, you know, the angel, that, that, that song, the very first time, it was a kind of incredible, spontaneous sort of organic thing that just grew out of a viral social media explosion and the song became good but the first time it was played obviously like loads of people didn't know it yet or didn't know the words or and people get a bit embarrassed and they're not sure but it it worked enough that it it just grew and grew and grew from there and I think it's possible that this will be the same and I think it looks great it's something extra to just have that feeling of togetherness it's a bit distinctive you don't get that and what I like was there was literally people it wasn't just behind the goal and around the Ashburton army but it was upper tier and all over the place. It wasn't everybody, but enough people brought and hoisted up their scarves for it to it to feel like something was happening. And fair play to them for, for trying something else to, to raise the atmosphere. Corner taken by Saka, right under the bar! And it's another goal from the set-piece for Arsenal. 5-0. 5-0 to the Arsenal. It's as many goals as we scored in our previous six games in all competitions. William Saliba gets so much praise... And rightly so. Big Gabby, though, 
scored a goal, scored two really. It's sort of ridiculous that that was an own goal. But anyway, set pieces. It's all about the set pieces. We've heard lots and lots of stuff about the set pieces. Adrian, I know you'll have a stat. The most set piece goals in the Premier League this season. Everton are next with 11. That's the Sean Dyche team, by the way. Mm. The most headed goals, 10. And the most goals from corners in the Premier League. We're not, obviously, or you wouldn't say we're a set piece team, but right now, we're, we're the best in the Premier League. Yeah, it? yeah. It's a good time for Nicholas Jove to ask for a pay rise, I'd suggest. So maybe he can get in there. I know <laughs> yeah. I would if I was in his shoes. Yeah, it's a great stat and it's a, it's a great thing to, to be top of. Because it gives you cheap goals. You know, when you're not playing amazingly, you can you can nick goals from nowhere and and win matches. So yeah, it was good. We did mix things up. Obviously, pre Dubai, we'd gone with the sort of train at the back post, hadn't we? Where everyone sort of charges across the six yard line. This this was this was different. I think there were two two players at the back post that charged across. Kai Havertz stayed way at the back post and it just left a little pocket in and around the fast stick and and basically it was all about Gabriel can you get away from your man marker and get on the end of the ball in this little pocket of space and he did twice I liked how aggressive he was Amy I mean it was it's pure power and aggression isn't it and wanting it but that's him all over I think that you know when you look at everything that he gives as a footballer there are some kinks and imperfections there, but they are born out of that really strongly wired up emotion that he plays with. So occasionally he'll get himself into a bit of trouble or be a bit reckless, you know, and you think, oh, he's just losing his head a bit. But that it's it's a bit like you, you get the you get the good and the bad together. It, you don't get the good otherwise. And he needs that drive and that sort of real souped up desire that he has in abundance and that's how he plays. And I think that, you know, we all marvel at Saliba because he's got this kind of almost erudite, serene calmness that's so astonishing to see in the hurly-burly of football. But the partnership is so beautiful because they have such complementary, if contrasting, assets and Gabriel has been an absolute monster this season. And, you know, it, it seems mad to think that he didn't even start at the beginning of their campaign. Yeah. Put it this way. I think if you're an attacker, you know you're in a fight if you're playing against him. And that's, you know, that's no, not quite. easy, is it? It's certainly miles away from the sort of soft touch that Arsenal were at the back not that long ago. Quite. And in terms of the corner taker as well, Adrian, I mean... Uh... Something changed in Dubai, didn't it? Declan Rice, who you'd have thought would be one of the people who could possibly get on the end of crosses, takes a wicked corner, though, he does. He? he has been taking some throughout the season. He's not, not regular, but he has taken quite a few this season. So it wasn't something totally new. But yeah, he can, he can do it, can't he? It shows you how many big players we've got, doesn't it? Because if, if you can afford to take Declan Rice out of the box, then it means you're a pretty big team. And and sometimes it's not just about numbers, is it? It's about getting the right player on the end of the cross. And and Gabrielle is the right player to get on the end of these crosses. And and yeah, there were only two people on the penalty spot. So it was him and another player. You know, there were only two that were, were making those runs to get on the end um from deep. So and the other the other thing to point out from those set pieces was that we also basically boxed the keepers in. 
by filling that six-yard box with people. He was complaining about that, well, wasn't he? Was, but there wasn't a foul there. It's just, it's just clever because if you're going to whip the ball to the far stick, there's a very good possibility the keeper's going to come out and get it. So you've got to try and do something to, to keep him on his line. And we did. And it worked twice. It was brilliant. And Amy, obviously all this work on, on set pieces is all very important, but the most important thing are the sock signals, right? I mean... <laughs> uh... <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about here, by the way, on Match of the Day, they did a, a whole thing about what Martin Erdegaard's signals were when he bends, <laughs> bends down and touches either one sock or two sock. And that is either an in-swinging corner or a back post corner. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm still not. I'm, I'm nowhere. Uh, I, I'm, I'm no less doing giving dark. our secrets away, Match of the Day? Come on. Hope you do this for everyone. Well, maybe he needs to mess, mess about with his shorts next time, right? <laughs> One leg, right leg means back post. <laughs> Amy, what do you think of all this? I just sort of think if they're spending a long time analysing sock touching, <laughs> maybe they run oh. out of other things that they wanted to analyse. I don't know. There are only, only two games, Saturday. Uh, they don't want to give us too much praise. They don't want to spend too long looking at the actual football, do they? Just, just. You know. Well, anyway, yeah. whatever. It seems to be working, yeah. doesn't it? So, two goals from set pieces against the team, by the way, who'd only conceded three goals from corners before yesterday, Palace. The other thing that happened was we got some goals from open play as well. Mikel Arteta, he compared recent results to an onion, right, is what he said. The reality is that we haven't won enough matches. There is something underneath that. It is like an onion, the first layer, second layer. We have to go to the bottom of it to understand actually what is making us win or lose. Uh, Adrian, what's interesting about this is that I've talked about stand-up comedy quite a lot uh, at various points, as you can imagine. And artists do this, is that you're trying to strip away all the pretense and all the bullshit and you get to the truth, the the, uh, the, the beauty, right, of, of what is underneath. that. And, and, and artists talk about it. And I thought to myself, Mikel sees himself as an artist, doesn't he? He sees the whole, he sees the whole thing as a sort of creative process. Well, it, that is football, isn't it? Football is, is a form of art, especially the way we play it sometimes. So, yeah, I I can see the the analogy, can see how it works. And I wonder what the conclusions were. I'd love to know what, what they've sort of come up with internally. If you think about the three goals that we scored, it it's about sharpness, but really it's about running power. And it's about having players that want to go and hurt the opposition and use their speed to do that. And, you know, the first goal... Jesus legs it out of the box and says, give me the ball to David Raya. And he does. And it's a brilliant counter-attacking goal. And that Saka wins that turnover for the fourth goal. If Martinelli doesn't bust the gut to make the run, he doesn't score. It's the same when Jorginho picks the ball up and looks up. Who's there? It's bang. Martinelli's driving at the opposition. That's, you know, it's basic, but that's what got us the three goals a desire to run and that is you know the best football teams have that desire and I think the last few weeks before Christmas we almost ran out of gas and we didn't make those runs and Amy you retweeted a picture of uh, Gabriel Jesus and Leo Trossard's 
position at the moment that David Raya claimed the ball when they slung it back into the area for the third goal. Those are the fine margins we're talking about, aren't we? Well, really? it's not even a fine margin. It's about a complete fundamental mindset. And credit to Billy Carpenter, who's at Billy Carpy uh, for this tweet, but it absolutely struck me straight away. I was like, wow. And he, he had a screenshot of exactly that. You can see that that Raya is actually jumping in the air and catching the ball. So he's not even finished his his claim, if you like. And uh, and he says, look at the stances of Jesus and Trossard at the moment of the Raya claim. So much of football is sneaking an extra step. Now, at this moment in time, where literally it's the, it's the millisecond that he's getting his hands on the ball, he's not landed. There are nine Crystal Palace players who are in shot, and everybody's kind of bunched around. There's quite a lot of players around the box. It's, a, it's obviously a corner. In fact, by the looks of it, maybe the 10th player is um, taking the corner. I don't know if I counted him. And they're all eyes and direction looking at David Raya. So they're all looking towards the goal that they're attacking at that time. And Arsenal's defenders are sort of doing their thing. And Trossard and, and Jesus are already almost beyond the half turn they've already set off the set it's like the second they anticipate rise got this he's not even land he might drop it you know whatever but he's virtually got it they're already on the run on the yeah. edge of their box and that was absolutely fundamental and if you think about some of the way that Arsenal have been playing in recent weeks when it's been more tricky, there has been that sense of it being a bit hesitant, a fraction slower. You know, your mental as well as your physical kind of speed and rapidity of thought as well as movement. If you can be super sharp in those things, anticipation. Ian Wright, probably the greatest finisher, our outright marksman the club maybe ever had. He had that nose. He gambled all the time. He was always looking to suddenly dart away and and, and be be on on the hoof and just think this defender might mess this up and I'll be there. And that's that's about how you feel as a forward, how much your desire is there to get at someone to score goals. And that goes against this kind of very precise controlling side to side. We wait patiently for the moment. We take a while over our throw-ins and all that kind of stuff that had been slightly criticised in recent times, this is the opposite. And somehow Arsenal have got to find the balance and blend between having control and having this sense of bravery and quickness of attacking. Adrian, it's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? I mean, I mean, Amy's talking about righty and that, those runs he used to make, you know, with forwards particularly, when they're, they're running for the space because they're anticipating that things might happen. This is slightly different, but in the end, the ball's not essentially almost not even in Raya's hands yet and, and Trossard and Jesus are ready to go. I think I've done, I, you know, it's a long time since i played, but I, I remember doing similar things myself. You know, I was a winger that didn't really want to get back that much and I was often that one that was looking, you know, if the goalie gets it, you know, make a run for them. And I remember, remember doing thinking it when the ball's in the air, right, I'm ready. I'm ready, go. And, and it, it, when it comes off, it's brilliant. But it is that mindset that Amy's talking about, the desire to go and hurt the opposition with a, with a run. Because running is the most basic part of football. You know, they could, we can all kick a ball, we can all pass it and whatnot. But with, if you don't make these runs, if you don't have that desire to make a really emphatic, dynamic run, then you're going to find it very difficult to open up good defences. So, um, yeah, that was a great takeaway from the weekend. I loved it. 
Yeah, it was brilliant. And also, by the way, we've talked enough about David Raya and uh, uh, there's still a sort of slight unease, I feel, amongst some of the fan base, but uh, that's an assist, isn't it? Or a pre-assist assist, I suppose, is what they call it. And he tried, he'd, he'd done one earlier. I don't know if you remember it. He, he, he claimed the ball and Kai Havertz made a run um, down the right wing and he, he volley kicked it, boom, out of his hands, right to Havertz and Havertz brought it down run up the wing and he, do you remember he centred it for Trossard who did made another amazing sort of lung busting run and Trossard sort of got his legs tangled and he didn't really get a proper shot but that came from a, a quick piece of Raya distribution and I, I watched the game back actually yesterday and it was um, it was really noticeable there was less of the foot on the ball let's you know wait wait for them trying to lure them in as soon as Raya got it he really did want to release it much, much quicker than usual. And I think that was about tempo. Um, Say, so, you know, Arteta wanted to really not allow Crystal Palace to get their breath back. And I think that was, that was a good move. We'll talk about impact subs after the break. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. They get a handbrake off and you can see that they are more free to play. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark here on the Athletics Arsenal podcast, Handbrake Off. Uh, Amy, Gabriel Martinelli with two goals in injury time. We don't know how big that could be, but this is a guy who's maybe been lacking a bit of confidence. And I like the fact that he's still on the pitch. Uh, he's uh, he's come on the pitch, sorry, for uh, Leandro Trossard and he's made a huge difference. I mean, he looked dangerous again. The break has done him good, hasn't it? Well, uh, it, I hope so. Uh, it looks that way. But I think if you're going to look at 
one of the key differences between last and this season's. You know, the, the reliance on Saka and Martinelli to be uh, driving forces of that attack and goal scoring and goal creation. It's been obvious that both those players have found it a little bit more difficult on a consistent basis to be as free and effective and being able to kind of dominate their, their space, get chances, put them away. That's been reduced in the first half of the season. And that's why it's been easier for other teams to make life difficult, I think, for Arsenal, because it's such a huge part of what Mikel Arteta wants. So getting those two backfiring could have a monumental effect on the second half of this season. And the other thing about Martinelli is, you know, he, he did dip a bit in form, you know, first half of this season. But... If you try and put it into a bit of, little bit of perspective, this kid is 22 years old. He left Brazil in the lower leagues at the age of 18 and came to Arsenal. He was promoted earlier than they anticipated. They thought he'd be with the under-21s and he pretty much went straight into the first team. He had a pretty meteoric rise where things went wonderfully for him. And then there was a period where he got an injury and, and, and at the start of the uh, season two years ago, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I was a little bit worried for Gabby Martinelli because when he came back to fitness, he was an unused substitute, you know, virtually all the time for the best part of a couple of months. He came on against Crystal Palace, funnily enough, in that season and got nine minutes. The next game, and I remember this one really well, it was a great game where Arsenal played Villa at home. Great performance, 1-3-1. One, one, three, one. And it felt like, I think they were 3-0 up for quite a long time and it felt like a really good opportunity to give him some proper minutes. And he came on with a minute to go. And I remember at the time thinking, but, you know, not dissimilar situation, I suppose, to how it's been for Emil Smith-Rowe uh, of, of late, which is, by the way, wonderful that it was to see him getting, you know, some proper minutes this weekend. But, you know, Martinelli had, to, there was a point where it was almost borderline. You thought, don't know if it's going. Don't know if Arteta fancies him. Don't know if he's going to get back in the team. Don't know what's the future is for him. Like other teams like him, maybe we're going to lose him. And then it, 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 the way things went from there, he exploded. Obviously, last season and found a new gear, and showed the levels that he can be, and gets called up for Brazil, and plays in World the World Cup, etc. And he's still a he's still just twenty two. So yeah, he's had a, a rough ish few months. But that doesn't really take too much. It's probably probably understandable that at some point during a career, you're going to have a bit of a bit of a pause in your progress. But he's got such a phenomenal mentality that you know expect nothing less of him to just work really hard and keep his head down and try and make sure he gets it right sooner rather than later. So brilliant for him. And obviously the Henri-esque finish just makes everyone love it even more because that was a perfect imitation. It's beautiful. If you haven't seen the goals, watch the first one and then you'll know how the second one went as well. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, it's the same goal, really. By the way, Mikel Arteta said during the winter break that Martinelli wasn't lacking confidence. So uh, he would definitely know better than me. Mm. Adrian, let's talk about Emil Smith-Rowe. Amy mentioned her there. He got, he got 20 minutes or so. Actually, might have even been 25, mm. which is a, a, an age mm -hmm. for him to actually get on the pitch. 
and I, he looked good. He, I, I, I always love watching him move and the way that he that he controls the ball and the way he runs through, and it and it was just a joy to see him back on the pitch and 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 gliding about in the way that he does. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think he, he kind of really played as a number ten when he came on as well. He was in that sort of central hole in the pocket, and it really suited him. I like the way he sort of received it on the half turn. He always wanted to drive at the opposition as well. We, we're talking about that mindset with the with the runs off the ball, but, you know, it's the way you receive it sometimes. It's like, I'm going to let it come across my body and then I'm going to go at them. And, and I think he's really good at that. And he looked sharp, didn't he? I thought most, pretty much everything he did was was good. Um, pity he didn't score, but he, he yeah, he, he looked, he looked bright and he looked... He looked, I would say, marginally sharper than Havertz. I don't, I don't think Havertz w- w- had a poor game. I think everyone played pretty well. But I actually think that that cameo might have given Mikel Arteta food for thought. And he might have thought, he might be thinking, actually, if, if Emil's at that level, he he is as good as Havertz. And he can maybe offer a little bit more in terms of some of the craft in and around the final third. So, yeah, I reckon it was definitely a step forward for Emil. Um, on the back of that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, against Nottingham Forest. There's actually very few players in this Arsenal team that I, I love watching as much as Emil Smith-Rowe. I don't know if you guys would agree with that, but I think you're right, Stonio. I think he's got quite a distinctive way of moving with the ball. There's a sort of bounce that I love, a kind of glidey bounce thing, which sounds like an oxymoron, but, you know, it just really works for Emil. And, uh, yeah, I think there's so much goodwill. It was such a lovely sort of... Great reception. Uh, Great reception. Uh, reception for him. And yeah. um, we had a re- really stupid and, in the end, completely redundant uh, debate in the seats around us about somebody asked, thinking that Gabriel Magalhaes had got both the goals. We didn't know at that stage during the game that had been taken away from him. Who would you rather get the next goal? Big Gabby gets a hat-trick or Emil gets one. And I found myself <laughs> astounded by, you know, a, a, a few voices who said, Big Gabby getting a hat-trick. And I was like, well, that's all well and good. But, you know, I think a goal from Emil would have reduced me to, you know, an emotional wreck. I'd have been so happy for him. <laughs> I, I thought Eze played yeah, really well for he Palace. Was he's the only one that really looked any good. He's the one that we like to watch. He's, he, really he's, he's Honestly. But he reminded me... It, Smith Rowe isn't the same as Eze, but Eze was so comfortable on the ball in the game. You know, such balance, the way he sort of just looks after it, drops a shoulder, beats a man and then does something. And that is Emil. When when Emil was on it, and he was on it at the weekend, he is like that. And um, and that's the reason why he was, you know, in that company. You know, he was he is an England international and he's capable of getting back there, definitely. Eze was doing that in a, in a poor team as well. And I just... Kept watching him, thinking you'll be good. You'll be something to watch in a good team. I think it'll be very interesting to see. It'll be it'll be a good team sooner rather than later. Wouldn't say no, would you? Well, no, not not in a not for a second. Elise is another one as well. We have, obviously we have a, a history of taking boys from South East London and uh, making them into superstars as well. So uh, I'm happy for that traffic to continue. <laughs> and uh, obviously, Palace not a happy place at the moment. Mm-hmm. A couple of words, uh, Eddie with a lovely assist for the fourth goal, beautifully weighted pass. Uh, Jorginho, who we don't talk about that much on this pod, um, nine progressive passes, played some of the best passes in the entire game actually. 
actually. Adrian, that pass for Gabby Martinelli's uh, for the fifth goal was just a perfect ball, wasn't it, really? That was a peach. Yeah, I loved it. It, it was, he was good. I thought all the subs were, were really good, actually. Yeah, Eddie come on and, and made an assist, Jorginho, with a great one. A lovely weighted ball over the top. Yeah, he looked on it. Obviously, it was slightly alarming to see Rice not hobble off, but walk off gingerly. Let's hope that that tight hammy isn't isn't a proper injury. Um, but but yeah, Jorginho is a really, really good squad player, isn't he? I think he's an excellent option to to come off the bench. And I think his performances have actually um, made us miss Thomas Partey a little bit less. I think we we, we will always miss Thomas Partey because of what he brings. But but I think Jorginho's quality has, has sort of smoothed that over by and large pretty well. The other thing I just wanted to mention briefly, it's not sub-related, is uh, the way we pl- passed out from the back in the game. I thought it was miles more confident. Palace, for some reason, decided not to do what West Ham did um, and they wanted to come and press us and and be aggressive and have a bit of a higher line and, and get after us. But the way we zipped the ball around from the back to the to the fullbacks into midfield was really good. And and I, I don't always appreciate that from my vantage point in the clock end, but but when I watch the game on the TV and it's on the side, you can see, uh, you know, that is that is quality, the way that we found the spare man. And 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 that's that is what Zinchenko brings to the team. When he's not there, you d- you don't have that that timing that he brings of slotting in field to to make make the extra man. And that extra man gets us out Nine times out of ten, I thought I thought he was really good, but we were great in general at, at that part of the game. And the Athletic uh, spoke to Zinni yesterday and will be featuring uh, the interview on Thursday's handbreak, so stay tuned for that. Amy, you wanted to add something here? And just on that uh, midfield you were talking about, Jorginho and Rice, I think that uh, Thomas Partey might be making an appearance sometime soon. So mm-hmm. you know, he's been gone for a lot of this season. Oh. And I think there's a certain degree within the camp of optimism that he will be ready. And yeah, the idea of putting him in with Rice into the midfield for the foreseeable, it, 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 which isn't something that's been able to happen pretty much all season, would definitely be interesting in terms of uh, team trying to trying to make a better fist of the second half of the season oh Rice and Partey in front of Gabriel and Saliva <laughs> you're going to have to go around the side lads you're not getting through the middle there's absolutely well, no way yeah. Etihad away you know Tottenham away Etihad away Beautiful. like these get these big games yeah. that's what you want you want those those four available gives us a much better chance much better now, I didn't watch uh, the women yesterday. They beat Everton 2-1 to stay three points behind the league leaders, Chelsea. Uh, Beth Mead got the winner on the stroke of half-times. Nice to see her back. And Leah Williamson close to returning, Adrian. That's fantastic news, isn't it, really? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Leah, Leah's... They've done remarkably well without, you know, Mead and Mead and Mar and, and Leah Williamson as well. So, yeah, no, that's exciting. The women's team have got a club day coming up. I'm going to do a little feature, I think. I think with Leah Valti, who's a really key player in the heart of midfield, probably the the women's team's Declan Rice in terms of the one who gets it and gives it and, and sort of sets the tempo. So looking forward to speaking to her soon. But, yeah, no, the team are going well, but, but so are City, so are Chelsea. So it's going to be a, a ding-dong battle, isn't it, I think, all the way. For the men and the women. Uh, let's have a song to finish. Uh, Adrian, I'm going to come to you first. What have you got for a song? Well, I, I, obviously the team's had a lot of crit- criticism and I think this performance was was just one of those where it, it shuts up the, 
the, you know, the, the the monus a little bit. It shuts up the people that say that that, that we're not all that. So yeah, the, the song that came to mind was was Dirt Off Your Shoulder by Jay-Z. We sort of brushed that dirt off our shoulder, dusted, dusted ourselves down and just showed we're actually a really good team and that we can score goals and we can we can go out and cut cut teams open like we used to so yeah that that's the song that came to mind for me nice uh amy what about you with the song i'm going to choose something that kind of captures the mood of the last sort of 15, 20 minutes or so, when Arsenal were 2-0 up at the break with a couple of set pieces, there was still a bit of underwhelmed murmurings, I'd say, around the ground thinking, you know, it's great Arsenal winning, but is this it? It's just become a bit of a kind of set piece team. And, uh, you know, I think everyone was just desperate to, to, to feel that little bit of liberated, excited, you know, a goal from open play, a counter-attack. So I'm going for I'm Free by the Soup Dragons. I'm free mm. to do what I want any, any old, old time. Any old time. Hold sort of me, free. love me. Um. <laughs> yeah, that was Martinelli, you know, racing away, made me think of that. I said I'm free to do what I want any old time. I say love me. I'm going with a set piece sort of vibe. I know how much we practice, so I'm going for Over and Over by Hot Chip. Which is a tune that I love and been playing a lot of. The live version from Glastonbury last year, definitely worth a watch. This has been Handbrake Off. Thanks to Amy, thanks to Adrian, and thanks to JR Producer. And we'll see you on Thursday. Have a good day. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.